Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. And a happy Halloween, the last day of October uh, to all those trick-or-treaters out there. I hope your day is off to a great start or going well. Uh, first little report out, first couple of months of my first LinkedIn course nearing 20,000 learners. Very excited. Awesome reviews. The course is Leadership Communication in the Flow of Work. I would say it's applicable to all levels, and I would invite you to check it out and let me know what you think. And of course, I appreciate you being part of the solution and sharing. Okay, we're going uh, up to the great part of Westchester, New York, and a big hello to Laura. Laura, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Thanks. Very, very happy to be here, Molly. I appreciate you taking my call. Well, I am thrilled to have you on the line, and I'm curious what uh, challenging conversation or situation is on your mind. Yeah, I'll give you a little bit of background. So I manage a team of highly educated, highly motivated sales professionals. Um, they all work remotely, and we do a weekly video call, which is always, I, I've always prided myself on my different teams that everybody really connects, has a great time, shares ideas, discusses challenges. But the most recent team that I've been managing, there is one member of the team who is a high performer, but is routinely very negative on the call. And it's getting to the point, I, I can just read the faces. This is one of the benefits of being on video with versus conference calls. You read the faces of the others and they're getting tired of it. So, you know, I know I've got to deal with it and I have been dealing with it one-on-one -on -one with this person. You know, even going so far as to say, are you sure this is a good job fit? you know, trying to investigate, is it work? Are there personal issues going on? And I think I make, you know, a step forward, but then it's always two steps back. And on a recent call, I, I just really know that my strategy is not working. I've got to figure out a better way to address the negativity so it's not bringing the rest of the team down. And yeah. that's where I'm hoping you can help me. I appreciate you bringing it out. Lots of empathy for everyone, including this person. Can you give me, Laura, just an idea of like when you say routinely very negative, just a few examples of how that you shows know, up? Yeah, I can. The one that, that bothers me is I think that the, the most bothers me the most. I love it when people share good ideas, share their best practices, because none of these people are in competition with each other. They're really in competition with the other companies that we sell against. And whenever someone shares a great idea, the, the rest of the team is like, wow, that's fabulous. I'm going to try that. And this one is like, oh, you know, like it's like they're bragging. They're trying to show off. And, you know, it's almost like they perceive it as you're trying to show that you're doing better than I am. And, mm -hmm. you know, so that's where I'm struggling. And this person is a high performer, but it's just the, it, it's, a I don't know if it's competitive, jealousy. I don't, I don't know. And I've, um, you know, I've had lots of one-on-ones. She's acknowledged that she knows that this is happening on the calls. And like I said, we make a little bit of progress. And then, you know, maybe one week, two weeks later, we're right back to where we were. Mm. 
when you, without breaking confidentiality, when you have the one-on-ones, yeah, um, how is she? How you know what's her response, and how does she talk about you know I'm going to be better? Just give us an idea of how she. What well, she first, says. there's definitely an acknowledgement. No, I I know that I have a tendency to do that. Um, part of it is that she acknowledges that she's a competitive person. Um, she feels like anyone who's in sales knows that every sales territory is very different. Um, feels like maybe other people have more opportunities than her, but that's that's the nature of the beast. If you're covering a certain part of the country, if you're covering Maine, New Hampshire, and Vermont, you have different opportunities than if you're covering Boston or New York City. So um, we talk about ideas, how it might, what we can do to help. I try to spend more time with this person, getting out, riding along in the field, giving, trying to give feedback of opportunities and things so that she has things to share on the calls, uh, but we still spiral. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm stuck. We're going to unstuck you. This is a great Yay. opportunity. So let's just, uh, we're just going to call this person Kim. Okay. Um, and I think what I would start, this framework I have is me, you, we. So first of it, what's going on for Laura? What, you know, you, you say, hey, this person's a high performer. As a leader, Laura, you set what the behaviors are and the performance isn't just the numbers. And I know in sales, it's outweighed by the numbers. But right. as a leader, you can say, these are the expected behaviors, right? We all know my dear friend. And actually, Molly, Alan. that has been part of my discussion. I've always tried to frame it, you know, keeping HR in my mind around the company values and, you know, some of what we put out there is the expectations around our employees. But yeah, but continue. I just wanted to throw that in. I appreciate that that's on your mind. And I'm all about managing the downside. So let's just say it's not a fit. Is losing Kim okay? Yes. Okay. So it's just we're managing our downside, you know, and I say that not as a human being. We obviously love Kim as a human being, but we have a business to run and we need a role filled in a way that's going to serve not just the results of that role, but also the rest of the team. Because I sales is very much of a we are in it together, even though we have individual territories, right? right. So I think that's an easy thing for you to, to step back and say, you know, I may not have been so clear, Kim, I just want to reinforce something. I'm not only about the numbers. Okay. Okay. How we achieve the numbers and, and you know, it's your team. So you can make this up, Laura. And yeah. so I want you to know, I'm not trying to be punitive here. I'm just trying to do the right thing for everyone. And it would be unfair of me to not expect the same behaviors from all of our team members. Okay. Right. How does that land? And then, and then to the extent I'm getting a sense, and I, I've gotten this. Some I have that black sheep territory. My territory is harder. My territory is whatever it is. And I think give that a chance to surface so that being transparent about that and just saying, okay, it is what it is. I get it, okay? If you're not happy with that, which I totally respect, Kim, right? That's that's a call you, have, you can make. Okay. So- there's a sense of Kim giving, empowering Kim to have agency over this. And, you know, you look her in the eye and say, I really want you to be happy. I want yeah. you to have great results and really be happy. I can't make you happy, Kim. That's on you. And that, you know, these situations tend to be about the person. It's about the person, right? It has nothing to do with anyone else. It's really not about you or the team. Right. 
This is a Kim on Kim. And you're just helping Kim do the work is what I like to say. Okay. Let me just pause there. How is that landing? Yeah. um, I feel like some of what you're saying I have absolutely tried. um, But I think... It, you know, it, it warrants another discussion, and I'm writing notes on what you're what you're saying. Um, unfair not to expect the same of every member of the team, because generally speaking, everybody knows sales has got rejection. There's lots of ups and downs, but generally speaking, I've got a very optimistic team, and you know, it's kind of like a buzzkill when we get on these calls, and you can see it. People know, uh oh, here we go. She's starting to go south on us. Right. That's right. So I think that 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 me part is you getting underway with you. The you is helping Kim appreciate, and I'm sure you've done this, you know, hey, I noticed this observing. I noticed this. Uh, What did, you know, what do you think the experience was for others when you said X? Yeah. Okay. So the extent to which you kind of make it so that Kim has to put herself in other people's shoes. I need you to be honest. You're Frank over there. Frank hears that. You tell me. What's going on for Frank, right? How does that help Frank? How does that help the team? And force Kim to just put on some lenses other than her own, which is okay. hard. We all see the world from our own lens. That's what we do, right? right? Exactly. So you're just offering that. And then you're saying now, as a leader, for me, what do you think's going on? Okay. And, and well, I said, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure trying to create an environment for everyone to thrive. And, and she, you want to lead her toward that idea of, you know, there's other, there's other realities here. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then, then this observation is say, you know, this is our fifth phone call on this or whatever. I've got my notes. I'm here to help you absolutely thrive and crush it. And I believe in you. Okay. This is a fifth time in. So I have to be honest, Kim, that what I'm doing obviously is not working. Okay. So you just own that. I own that. Okay. So I'm not going to try to do the same thing and expect a different result. Here's what I, I would like to offer. And you work at co-create it. It's like when you have kids and they do something wrong, you have you have them do the discipline. Oh, I can't use my phone for three days. You know, you would have said one day's fine, but they say they three, you're like, okay, great. <laughs> okay. You know, I, I might offer that as, you know, because there's real consequence here. And I and I feel like I haven't hit the nail. What you I know you want to do it, you assume positive intent. What's gonna make it so that it's really hard for you to slip back into the old habit? Okay. So the last thing I'll share is to the extent that everyone on the team has things that we're working on, which I'm a big fan of, we're all in it together and we all don't improve unless we help each other. You can think more broadly and say, you know, everyone's got something they're working on, we're sharing on it. And then how can each of us help you? And that ability for people to be very transparent, well, you're slipping back again. You can almost make it a little light, right? Because it's going to take everyone's help. For Kim to improve, just like for any of us. It's not just on us to make a behavior change. We need the system around us to support that change. Okay, great. This is okay. really helpful. Okay. We said a lot. Do you have a top takeaway from our chat? Uh, well, I think that the, you know, the clarity of the communication to, it, I, I like what you just said a minute ago, you know, we've gone through this again and again. Um, and the team, you know, we all have issues. The team is here to help. But my job as the leader of this team is to make sure that all are thriving and this is interfering at this point, you know, and put it, I I, I think going back to, you know, putting it back to her, um, it's got to change. Yeah. And, you know, I I think this helping Kim talk to Kim and say, so, you know, Kim, talk to me. 
you know, I know you want to do it. You're telling me you want to do it. So you're either a really great liar, which I don't think you are, right? Mm-hmm. Just joke right. a little. So, and this is a looker in the eye and there's something there and she may not know what it is. And yeah. so yeah. the opportunity is to be compassionate and be patient and help her suss that out. Yeah. And, but there has to be, I think, some consequence if- right. If she slips and you leave you and her work that out, because that's how life is not a dress rehearsal. Right. It's having concrete impacts on the team. And you know this, I don't have to, just for listeners, you know, obviously when leaders don't make the call and don't do the hard stuff, the other team members know it. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) You know, and so it's, you know, you've got a super smart, super intelligent group. Yeah. And I do think that the idea of, you know, if it's something that's a choice and if you don't want to do it, totally fair, but then that's a choice to not be on this team. Yeah. And that way there's no, there's no edge to that because they're really making the call of whether they want to, you know, okay. live up to yeah, what's going to best support. Okay. Them. Excellent. Okay. Thank okay. you. Okay. This is great. You are, um, big part of the solution. I really appreciate your bringing this up. I'm cheering for you. And will you loop back and let me know how it goes? I absolutely will. Thank you, Molly. Okay. You are great. Thanks for being part of the solution. You take good care, Laura. All right. Bye-bye. Ciao, ciao. Okay. Let's hope that one goes well. We are now heading down to the South. I'll actually be flying down South soon to Sean in the Atlanta area. Sean, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Hey, Molly. So good to be on today. Thank you so much for for having me. Oh, I am thrilled, my friend, that you're on with us. And I'm really curious what's top of mind for you. Absolutely. So kind of give you a little bit of context. So I just transitioned out of the military into civilian life. Um, Basically had a military background, eight plus years of leadership experience, had the opportunity to lead organization units all around the world, ranging from 12 to 150 personnel, and love my job. Um, But for family reasons, I transitioned out of the military so I could spend more time with my family, less time overseas, less time away from them. And that being said, I've been accustomed to a culture that's been very different. The transition from military life over to civilian life is, is a different culture and it has been very, very different in the way of just communicating with others. I feel like in the military, things are very direct from your leaders to your subordinates and can come across as harsh. And I don't want to bring that into a civilian atmosphere. I don't think I'm headed that way, but just want to be cautious and want to see how I can best communicate with my peers and customers effectively without coming across as too direct. Oh, I love this. First of all, Sean, thank you for your years of service. Thank you for your support, Molly. Yeah, it's a, I appreciate the effort it takes, um, the commitment, and put ourselves in harm's way to protect others is so noble. And the uh, I appreciate your having to make a tough call to be able to have it all and, and spend the time with family that you'd like. Um, the, the military, I just do a quick segue. A dear friend of mine who was a Marine had a um, very storied career in the military and came out, I just want to normalize this for folks in the military. And his first day in private sector was the most uncomfortable day of his life. And he, <laughs> sat at, he said, I sat at a desk. Yeah. I sat at a desk. He said, I sat for 40 minutes. I just sat there. I had no idea what to do. Mm-hmm. He literally was like, what am I supposed to do? 
And, I, and another military guy kind of came in, put his arm around him, said, "Don't worry, man. I was just, I was just like that," and kind of helped him figure out the ropes. And so, Sean, mm-hmm. your level of awareness in the difference of cultures, and again, I have not served, mm-hmm. but you can, I could imagine this a very regimented. It's very clear what people are doing. Yeah. Yep. Very <laughs> so, much so. All of a sudden, you're like sitting at a desk, and you're like, "What am I doing?" So I think. Showing compassion for yourself and the little lightness of, okay, this is a totally new gig here, right? We're mm-hmm. in a new landscape. I also want to encourage you to not necessarily, and I'm not saying you're doing this, think that you need to conform in any mm-hmm. way in the sense that when we bring you know, external new voices, viewpoints into systems, we really want to cherish the being new part because you've got this privilege that the folks who've been there a while don't have, which is they're kind of seeing it the same way day in and day out. And you're like, whoa, wait a second. So just know that that's a real potential high value add. And don't discount that as, well, it's not the way it's done, or I'm the only Mm -hmm. one who thinks that. And like, if you are the only one who thinks that, even more important that you speak (laughs) up, because otherwise it's gone, okay? the I, I do have a question in your organization. Are there a number of other folks from the military who've made the transition like you? No. So I, I do have one other coworker who has who transitioned from military to private sector, but it was over ten plus years ago. So I'm kind of the only one in my organization that has done this, and I, I don't really have anyone else like me here. Okay. So one of my big tenets in Say It's Skillful is just transparency is our friend. Mm-hmm. So that ability, and people can say, well, so-and-so must know, but they, they must have done this. No, we yeah. cannot assume, right? So I think that idea of, hey, I'm coming from a different background or I'm noticing things and just helping think of yourself as someone who educates by what you're sharing, right? Mm-hmm. can help people sometimes think, well, I just better be quiet here. I'm new, right? So I'm, who knows what I'm, I just better like be on the side. And I'm like, no wallflower behavior. Okay. So you want to be out there and that can just be observing things. Oh, you know, it's so fascinating. I just, we had just had this interchange and I'm reflecting because in the military, oh my God, we would have had our heads chopped off or whatever. Right. Yeah. But think about that as a way for you to feel that you have a role. Um, and that it's important to, to get in the habit of using your voice. I'm not worried about you being like an incessant top talker. Okay. Sean, I'm not saying. Yeah just filling the air. But I do think that giving yourself permission to feel like you're a card carrying member um, and in all meetings, of course, you know, if, if everybody's not chiming in at some point, I'm kind of like, well, why are we in the meeting? Okay. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's just something for you to perhaps consider. Uh, do you have mentors in the organization? I do have, have mentors here, which are great. And they've been really knowledgeable and, and extremely helpful so that's been been great Um, but I I completely understand what you're talking about too because I've felt that before Molly that wallflower mentality like okay I'm new to this organization I have I have leadership experience I have a lot to say but I'm going to kind of step back here not say anything bite my tongue but I think when the time arises that that is a good opportunity to share when I have something insightful and to not just bite my tongue and it can be just an observation. I want to say just, mm-hmm. you know, sharing what you're seeing or noticing 
And this is as simple as you're in a meeting and you're noticing that the same two people are doing all the talking and we yep. love them. <laughs> uh, and, and we say, ah, oh, I'm really appreciating hearing from these voices. You know, I've noticed, um, I bet there's a lot of other folks who haven't, who are thinking something and maybe it's a time now that we could hear some other voices, right? And so no, just absolutely. know that that's huge. And then by the way, this is the noises and the quiets, right? And I was really traditionally a quiet and the quiet voices, they kind of need a little bit of a red carpet invitation sometimes. <laughs> and, it, and it's just that it's like, okay, we'd love to yeah. hear what you're thinking because we know you're there. Mm -hmm. So if you're, you know, if you're engaged at all, we'd love to hear what you have to say. Um, now, I think this idea of military and harsh, and it's so funny because I just had this conversation last night because we have a tennis buddy who had a long military career. And mm -hmm. for sure, he can be harsh. Okay. He's just, he's not mean. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it's sort of this directive. Uh, it's got a little bit of a nudge to it. Okay. Yes. Yep. Right. And so um, I think the, I mean, just talking to you here, it, I don't, I don't sense that in you. I'm sure you could be harsh if you wanted to be. It doesn't strike me as your primary mode. Um, so I, I don't know that it's a huge risk for you, but okay. I think that idea of if you're worried about it, and again, this is transparency. If you have a worry, uh, you know, in the military, we're used to being pretty direct and telling it like it is. And I yep. know that I respect all of you and you guys would want to know how it is. So I'm sharing this, but I don't want to come across as harsh. So as you just say it, right? Yeah. Whatever you're okay. worried about, just normalize it. I don't want to monopolize the floor here. Maybe I'll take a second to share. And maybe there's some context in the military that you think is helpful for people to know. So you're giving mm -hmm. them a, why am I spending a little extra time? And yeah. they could think of that as Sean being generous, right? And yeah, that makes sense. Right? That's that balance. And then that ability for inviting input as a new person and really as an old timer periodically, you know, you do a solid reach out and say, Hey, you know, it's been, I've been here X long. I, I want you to know that here are the things that I am really keen to be doing or to be known for. And so I kind of ask you that if you think about, Oh, six months in the organization, then I run around and say, Hey, tell me about that Sean guy. What are the three things you would want to hear? I'm hardworking, oh, and that's just a question to me. I would yeah say ask that. it now. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. What do you want? What do you want to know? I I want hardworking. I ha have integrity, and I'm loyal to the company. Okay, that that's awesome. Those are the main things I I would want said about me. That that's great, and that's super awesome for you just to guide and just to say, you know, I hey, I'm a loyal person. Hey, I've got, you know, integrity means a lot to me. So don't just do it. Connect the dots. Mm -hmm. to like help people make that connection so that when I ask, you know, in six months, that's what that comes out. Now yeah. I'm going to offer something for you as okay. we go through organizations. So you go through organizations, you know, when you're starting out, you can be a little bit more of a generalist, which is fantastic. A lot of our careers are about what we don't want to do longer term, right? So everything we learn, but you start to get to something that hopefully is your superpower and your biggest gift and brings you great joy. And that ability as you become even more senior to really differentiate and distinguish those kinds of words. So at some point we would hope, right, that the table stakes are the loyal and the integrity and the hardworking. And we're not discounting how important they are, but they're just like 
that just has to be how it is. Yeah. Right. So then there becomes something. And at some point, perhaps, perhaps you're on the innovation side, or perhaps you're like this unbelievable about, un, you know, unleashing human potential, but you start to think about what is the Sean superpower mm-hmm. that, that is uniquely you, right. That we only get from you. And, and I just finished an amazing interview. And one of the things that was so gratifying is when you see someone who knows their gifts, who has a chance to actually use those gifts and have the world be better for it. I mean, there's just nothing better. It's just like the best thing ever. Yeah. No, I can see that. That's awesome. Um, So let me ask also, how are you thinking about um, your own, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of people managing their development. Obviously organizations have their, you know, support for that, but I do think the lion's share is on individuals. So I'm just curious how you think about, you know, where you're at now, what you're thinking then the year looks like or two years and, you know, any, any thoughts on how you see yourself progressing? So, so kind of give you a picture too, Molly, I'm a planner. So I plan out everything in my life, my career, I planned out, I have a five, 10 year plan of why I put an Excel document to the date, like, of where my wife's job is, where my kids are, where we like to go, even for work on where I'd like to be at. Um, but yes, I, I do think about that fairly often, and I, I try to make goals for every single year of what I do. I think the short-term goal right now is to pull my weight in my job to make sure that I'm, I'm doing everything I can effectively to bring new business to the company, to not just bring, it's not bring glory to me, but to the company too to essentially give back to them because they gave to me and they they allowed me to come into a job where I've been extremely grateful to, to have this opportunity and that's that's the forefront of my mind right now. Um, I do have, have goals of to, to move into leadership positions and and Lord willing into this company and, and higher up, but that's the, the short-term goal right now. Awesome, I love it. And I love the notion of being able to serve and giving back. So getting back to your initial point, which is how do I best communicate? And I just, this other call I had recently was specifically about the leadership communication because I do think that that is a huge opportunity. So many people I see and they're in positions of leadership and they're very smart and they're very accomplished and they're very hardworking and they're not the greatest communicators, okay? So I wanna just offer that it's a real opportunity and we should have compassion for all levels because getting to find our voice, one that is authentic, one that is effective, really is a very, very individualized journey. And so it's good mm. to kind of find people for whom you might want to emulate, but just realize you're uniquely you with all sorts of gifts in a very um, distinctive journey that makes you you. And so mm-hmm. communicating in the Sean way is something that really it's only up for you. Um, the framework I use for folks in conversations, particularly the tough ones, is me, you, we. And this might be something that happens in 90 seconds. It might be something you take 15 minutes to think about. But in mm-hmm. a situation like, hey, what's going on for me? I'm annoyed. I'm angry. Yeah. I'm confused. Not not to make any of it wrong, but that, that's kind of that conversation, communicating with myself, okay, what is going on for me? And if there is an emotion, and it's not that negative negative emotions aren't okay, they are okay, but if there's negative emotions, meaning you're not gonna show up in a way to best serve, 
a conversation that needs to happen, that's got to be exhaled, right? So mm -hmm. we're annoyed or we, we want to be in command and control because you know the right thing. You've done this before. I don't really have time if you give me the... So you have to exhale that, right? And you inhale a very distinctive energy that you think is going to serve the work. And, and that energy or vibe really sets the tone before you say a single word. So, and, and I think in the military, you can appreciate this, you know, just when you just, you go in there and there's a sense of dignity and there's a sense yep. of, right. And, it, and you can feel it. Right. So that's something I would really offer to lean into because most people don't realize how powerful that is. Um, especially in a downtime, when it's like a tough situation, people could go mm -hmm. in, you're like, okay, I know it looks bad. We will win. Right, that ability yeah. to just show up that way can serve in the biggest way, and folks, this can come from all uh, levels of an organization. So that's the me part, and so the me is how do I show up, and just that intention. So if I'm having a conversation, I'm in a meeting, like what am I really trying to do? And that seems like kind of a basic step. A lot of people don't really focus on. A lot of words then come flying out. You gotta understand what you're trying to have happen. And sometimes, especially with tough conversations, it may not be a one conversation sitting, right? It may be something where we tee up, let me just figure out where this person is at, or let me just fairly figure out how I can connect with this person. So I just offer folks to have strategy, if you will, to when you're going into some of these tougher situations. So the me part, when you're kind of grounded with yourself is the you, and the you is let me put myself in the other person's shoes. And mm -hmm. this is the idea that the other person has a sense that you know what it's like for them. Not, not saying they know exactly, but they feel that you have a sense of what it's like for them. It's not that you think you're so respectful, it's that the other person does. And that obviously is fundamental to connection. And I'll quote Harry Kramer, my friend who ran Baxter Pharmaceutical. He's like, only if I connect as then I relate to someone, do I have a chance to influence and mm -hmm. possibly lead, right? So your most effective um, leaders in, in when they communicate have this really innate connection that you just kind of feel like they're dialed into only you. Um, so that is the you piece. And I also think it informs, okay, how might I go, how might I start off a conversation so it's going to land for this person? Okay. That's the you. Now the we is, hey, what serves the whole? Mm -hmm. But who are we together? And that ability to stay high. So often organizations, there may be a decision that isn't so great for the production department, but it's great for the sales department. Hey, we're not yep. trying to win the battle, we're trying to win the war, right? Yep. So how do we stay high and say, hey, I appreciate that this group is kind of sucking it up, um, but so that we can do what's for the greater good. That's how my friend Alan calls it. So let me just pause there, I've said a lot. How's that landing? No, that's great. I mean, that's that's awesome information, Molly. I, I've been writing everything down and I, I, I truly do, appreciate the time that you you've shared with me on this and I'm, I'm going to take it to heart. It's awesome. The last piece in the me, you, we is that, and I would layer this everywhere is that notion of appreciating. And I can just feel that you're, you're just, you're, you're a grateful person that articulating appreciation commensurate to whatever it's for someone, you know, covered you for lunch or somebody did something heroic. That's fine. That ability to be timely, um, specific and heartfelt there is virtually no one, especially in corporate America, who feels overappreciated, okay? So being someone who I think shows a lot of confidence and shows a lot of caring and just willing to articulate that is just a great example 
and it's a gift that keeps on giving. No, absolutely. And I, I think it's so important too, like you're talking about having those connections and having that shared understanding um, to meet your goal. Yeah. So my friend, we've shared a lot. Do you have one top takeaway from our little chat? Yeah, I really appreciate what you talked about. I don't necessarily have to conform and I, I might be overthinking um, in some cases. And I, I appreciate you bring up the topic of figuring out what my superpower is. And it, this is such a unique stage in life too, Molly, where it's not, hey, go do this from the military or this is what you're going to do. I, I get the opportunity to pick what I want to do and to figure things out about myself and to get my superpower and and express that in my workplace. Yeah, I love it. This uh, the, the notion of this... Um leader I was speaking with was like, you know, we're not out there finding our purpose. You're not going to look around the corner. Oh, there it is. The yeah, purpose is yeah. within, right? The purpose is already within. It's that journey of getting to know ourselves and figuring it out and putting it all together and, and just embracing that journey because, you know, I, again, I don't wish struggles on you, but I know that there'll be struggling times and those are the times mm -hmm. that are most defining, right? And when we're bumping around a little bit and it's not so pretty, you know, but somehow you figure it out. Those are the really, those are the things that make you, you. So um, you're on to a really great start, my friend. I want to thank you for being a big part of the solution. And I am here to help you any way I can. You know how to reach me. So um, don't hesitate. And I wish thank you all you, the best. No, sincerely. Thank you so much. Yeah, you take good care, Sean. I take care. Bye. Ciao, ciao. So amazing. Okay, now we're heading over to my old stomping ground on the West Coast uh, in the state of California, and I'm thrilled to welcome Sophie to the show. Sophie, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Hi, Molly. Thanks for having me, and congrats on launching your LinkedIn learning course. It's awesome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very giggly about it. So, I, And I just another shout out for folks who are out there. I really encourage you to take a peek and then give me feedback because I would really like to do another one of those. It seems to have really helped folks. Um, okay, my uh, friend Sophie here, what, I'm just dying to hear, what is on your mind? Okay, so I would love to discuss negotiating comps. So it's something that I have historically been <laughs> very bad at. Um, Early on in my career, I would just, uh, you know, whatever someone presented, I would, you know, just say yes, never negotiated, never pushed back, never asked questions, um, you know, very quickly found out that other people in the same positions or even, you know, maybe lower level were making more money, more equity, better packages just because they asked. So sort of over pivoted um, going the other way as a, as a reaction to it. Um, and, you know, sort of took a, a harder line with it, had a number in mind, um, which also was, uh, didn't go that well. You know, I've historically been in startups and I think equity packages are a little tricky, uh, because, you know, there's uh, only so much cash and you have to be cognizant of that, uh, and also loyal to the company. So, you know, you can't ask for too much because, you know, it affects the life of the company. But at the same time, you know, you need to live. Um, and then equity is sort of also a tricky one uh, where, you know, you don't know what other people are getting. Um, usually people are not open to sharing the cap table ahead of time, even with an NDA. So I, I feel like it's, uh, it's a little bit of like, um, you know, grappling in the dark when it comes to negotiating comp. And I'm 
not totally sure how to handle it. That's a great one. I am going to first and foremost be upfront. I don't have experience with these early stage uh, negotiating, and I understand how that's very different than like a ongoing corporate job. But let's throw some ideas out and see um, what might serve you. And I really appreciate your being open about, you know. And I have to tell you, if, you know, when you're maybe not growing up in a in a universe where you you would be grabby, I guess is what, you know, some folks might think of it as not a positive thing, but then you kind of get a grab. Someone asks for more and they get more and you're like, wait a second, mm -hmm. what just happened to me? Right. And so I appreciate wanting, you know, trying to go for what's right. Money is an interesting thing and some people are really driven by it and they can't get enough and they want more and more and more. And, and some people are really driven by it. Um, I think others realize we need to have a certain amount of money. I think there is a relationship of money and oneself that it's just good to get whole with because that is something that you could be just chasing forever. And my, my mentor, Marshall Goldsmith has worked with like billionaires. He's like, like, Oh, you have 4 billion. So 4.2 billion, is that going to make you happier? Like the answer is no. So, you know, at some, mm -hmm. at some level, I think it is important to just figure out how, how the relationship of it and to not obviously tie your sense of self and who you are to only dollars, right? And I just think that's just a, kind of seems basic, but I think it's important to just give yourself permission um, mm -hmm. to figure out your relationship with money. The, um, you know, I, I think the negotiating process is also, a, it's a place of, because I think so much of the startups is the values and because you're in it thick and yep. thin, it's jobs are changing freaking all the time. So there's none of that. It, it's all up for grabs. And so I think that idea of are these people that we will be in the trenches, we're going to be deep in the trenches, it's going to be going very poorly. And are we going to be able to hold it together and really do what we need to do to overcome all odds? Because we know most startups don't really go crazy great, right? So that idea of getting as much comfort and certainty in that the team I'm with is the team I'm meant to be with, to me, it just seems like an overriding um, opportunity. Mm -hmm. Because when, when folks go into startups, it's all in. It's all in. It's just thankless. It's, you know, it's not about counting the hours because it's nonstop. So I throw that out as an overarching theme. And then I think the idea of how, when you're dealing with the, the founder or the CEO, and just how are they handling the comp, is these are all kind of signals for you. And mm -hmm. I think that idea of, hey, okay, you have done some research, I think going in and, and saying, this is you know, based on X, Y, and Z, and you can figure out what data, this is what I'm thinking, this is where they're thinking. I think the negotiating people always like to have someone else put stuff on the table first. I would read a good negotiating book on that because and my friend Greg Williams mm -hmm. is an expert on this. Um, but I think that that idea of, hey, I want to feel great about this. I know you want me, so assuming positive intent. I also know you don't want anyone to feel like they've been taken advantage of. I'm not the kind of person who's going to be a grabber, right? And just being upfront about that and assessing out where they are and what, what, um, how comfortable they are and the look them in the eye to me, it just, it's just something that's really inherent, right? The level of compensation tells you how much someone values you. And you can just say, hey, I get that. I'm not saying it at a personal level, but I'm just saying, hey, this is what's normative. You're coming in at something that doesn't seem that, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't land for me. Help me with that. 
And if that person can't say to you, well, I can't give you more because blah, 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 you're just, you have to feel that they're open hearted and they're fighting for you. And like, look, I would love to give you more, but I can't because of this. And then I think the idea of, hey, other people come on the team and you're early in, maybe you're the second or third person in. So just talk to me. How's this, how is this going to work when person seven, eight, and nine go? Let's just think about this. And is that a founder yeah. who has thought through, okay, this is someone who's in it for the long game with me, knows we're going to bring on more team members and we're going to, or are they like, oh my God, I haven't thought about that. What are we going to do? So it gives you an idea mm-hmm. of how thoughtful and experienced that they are because hopefully they're taking this thing all the way, right? And if they're just kind of always so short term and your most important thing obviously is your talents, you've got to figure out a way to make sure that you can have an A++ team if you have any hope of making it happen. So let me just pause there. How's any of that landing? Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And I think the the other part of it is uh, like the, the entire package. So cash, you know, of course, when you join startups, you go in knowing you won't be paid a lot. The equity piece is really interesting. And I think like um, any sort of like carve out uh, are also interesting because I've interviewed with first time founders who don't know what a carve out is. So then it becomes, which is, which is like, both great because then it becomes a conversation and can be also be negative because then it feels like I'm pushing something that, you know, they may not be super familiar with and might feel a little bit weird to them. Um, but in my role as a COO, that's actually super normal to ask for. Um, so like I, I have found some sticking points around talking about carve out. Um, would you approach it in a similar way? So explain just before we move on, would you explain for our listeners just at a high level what a carve out is so everyone's with us? Oh, sure. Uh, Just like a percentage um, of uh, in a change of control, some percentage goes to you. So uh, there are certain roles like a COO or a CFO that don't necessarily go to the other side in uh, something like an acquisition. Uh, So they don't reap the benefits that the rest of the team would. And just because there's already a COO or a CFO on the other side, so they, they get compensated um, from the sale rather than, you know, retention bonuses and that kind of stuff on the other side. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Hope listeners, is a new term for some listeners. I think the idea of how they receive it. So to your point, someone's like, oh, yeah, yeah carve outs. Here's what I've done in the past. Ask what they've done in the past. What's normative? How are things changing? How do they think about it? Like it's a robust discussion about that as a um, uh, technique, which would be awesome because that's mm-hmm. just giving you information how they think about it. Do they think about it in a rational way? Are they getting it? Is it a relatively unemotional kind of thing? It's all information for you. And hopefully they're like, okay, this person's a player, totally understands that, sees that this is potentially a very viable thing that happens. So obviously we want to be planful. Awesome. Someone who's like you said, maybe not familiar, that's not necessarily a horrible thing. However, how they embrace that or not is the information field. Well, what do you mean about that? Well, we'll never do that. Are they dismissive? Are they, or are they like, wait a second, you know, I'm new here. Are they owning that they're new, right? And then realizing that they're going to need, you know, you may be a great fit for someone like that because you're so experienced that that is the sort of thing that has more value for them because they have a lot of blind spots. They actually don't know what they don't know in some cases that that maybe you would rather the, the top person knows. So I would uh-huh. offer the 
it it's more about their attitude and how do they think and how do they approach the problem and how do they when they when they don't know something because that gives you is that going to be someone who like is on their heels pushing back or is that someone on their toes leaning in and embracing new which you know i would argue the latter is, is more of a a characteristic of more successful people like wait a second i don't got that let me understand that let me learn about mm -hmm. it who, who, right so so that it doesn't really help you on the, the the topic itself but i think the how people come across i would just offer everyone that that says a lot about who the human being is at the end of the day you're aligning yourself with the human being yeah i love that i think that i think that's super valuable I love that. Yeah, I love. Yeah, I love that you're. And I just want to do a shout out because I do think I do think traditionally, and I'm not saying going forward, uh, female folks have not necessarily been as forthright about comp. I know that it was a big shocker to me when one of my companies, the the next gen, if you will, came in and everybody knew everybody's comp. Like everyone was all open. We were like, what? Like in the olden days, that was a big <laughs> secret, right? I was like, what? You would never share. So. Mm -hmm. I think that I'm not here to pick one side or the other. I, I think the notion of what is the right range for the effort involved, the commitment involved, the rewards, and being able to have open-hearted, thoughtful conversations about it is great. I think I have had a, a, a previous friends talk about the fact that they were too good negotiators. So somehow they came yeah. out right two on top. And what happened is, there is this underlying resentment because people really felt like they were a bit schnooker. They didn't really know what happened <laughs> and that did not serve in the long-term relationship. So not that I would say anyone's trying to go in and say, let me see what I can get away with, but what goes around comes around. And so I offer that you have to sleep well at night with what you know you asked for, what you think you can deliver, what's right for the if you're for the greater good right and again if you're someone's out mm -hmm. there just for their own self that that's one's prerogative but i think if we're in the spirit of what serves a greater good we want what's right and it's it's a little bit like a real estate we really don't want someone to just really get hosed and buy way too high i mean it doesn't really help matters you know yes one person mm -hmm. made a made a killing on that but in the whole scheme of you know stable real estate pricing that's not really helpful so um i think that that you know, I think there's there's a there's a lot more to it sometimes than just little old me, and it is trying to solve for what's going to make for a viable long term entity. Mm -hmm. um, we talked mm -hmm. about a lot. I'm curious, um, anything that's coming to you for maybe what you did in the past and now what you think you might do differently in the future? Yeah, absolutely. So I I love the concept of thinking of everything as data. So. Um, I have, I'm thinking of one instance that happened actually relatively recently, uh, where it was, uh, it was really difficult to even have this conversation, uh, with the CEO. Um, and I was coming in as a COO and it was just, it was, it was more like I was getting stiff armed. It was like, Hey, I'll just email you. And it's like, no, we're in person. Like, you know, let's, we have the luxury of chatting it out in person. You know, money is a, it's a, a topic <laughs> some people don't like to talk about. I am totally open talking about it. It's important. It affects the team. This is something, you know, I felt he and I need to be very aligned on, and we need to be able to talk about it. And he just, like, really pushed back on talking about it in person and wanted it to be over, like, an email 
to email correspondence, which I find much harder to read. You know, the tone, um, you know, the intent, it just, it's just much more difficult over writing. And that was such a big red flag. And, um, you know, it ultimately fell through, and I was fine with that because it just, that was one of those data points, but I hadn't thought about that in the time. I just thought it was weird. But it was actually a data point for me to see, you know, this might be a way where we have different styles of dealing with, you know, difficult conversations in general, not just money. And that's going to be really tough if every time there's a difficult conversation, he, he feels like he needs to email me rather than, you know, just get in a room and hash it out, you know, face to face. So it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting because uh, that was it's exactly what you're saying. It's just data. Yeah, that's a really great takeaway to have that realization. And sometimes when you're in it so thick, you don't. And then you step back, you're like, wait a second, right? I could. So that's really powerful insight. And um, I do, I do want to offer that the the ability as we're interviewing. I mean, so much of this in the interviewing process is such a, you know just there's so much there, and the ability to notice say hey you know we're talking about this money, I'm getting the sense that you know I, that this may not be one of your favorite topics to talk about. Pause. Mm-hmm. Okay. Whoa. What do you mean? I said, well, you know, the, and you just kind of share. We're not trying to put anyone defensive. I'm not trying to put any defensive. I'm just noticing that. And that ability to normalize the talking about the fact that it's hard, forget the topic, right? Could is also information okay. that the person, this is a learned thing. It's a learned thing to be able, it's an uncomfortable thing. And maybe we don't want to talk about it, but we know that it's the right thing. And so helping be the person who creates space for that to potentially happen could then mm-hmm. give the person a chance to say, you know, I, what you want to say is, you know, thanks for bringing that up. But to be honest with you, I'm terrified. I hate talking about it. Say more, mm-hmm. you say. Well, when I was this, this happened, la, 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 got this. Okay, well, how do you want to be with it? And I do think in these startup teams where stuff's going to happen, that ability to say, okay, it's just all great now. It's a love fest. We're all holding hands. Everyone's smiling. And at some point, the fan is going to almost stop spinning. It's not going to be good. And the team's <laughs> got to be able to say, look, at, we talked about this, okay? The fan has stopped spinning. And we said we are going to X, Y, or Z. And so I just want to offer all members of the team have a chance to put that out there. Absolutely, things aren't going to go well and people are going to disappoint and stuff's not going to happen the way we think. We know that, okay? So let's talk about how we want to handle that so that in the future we're, we're better able to like take advantage of those struggles and be better for them. Okay. That's amazing. Amazing. Thank you. Well, you are amazing. <laughs> I, um, you know how to reach me. Okay. So I look forward to that next negotiation and hearing how it goes and just know I'm cheering for you big time. You're a big part of the solution. Um, and you can take good care Sophie. Thanks Molly. Take care. Appreciate it. Yeah, always, always, always here for you. Okay, folks, so spectacular. I am going to close with a thought for the week from one of my uh, tennis icons, uh, the one and only Venus Williams. Make a choice to build a life you don't regularly need to escape from. And lastly, my heartfelt appreciation to all the super amazing souls who make this show possible, Voice America team, the bright light Eric Patton, who's behind the scenes of every episode and a driving force for Say It Skillfully. 
And that's a wrap, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Reflect on your top takeaways and know I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality. Essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Homelessness is solvable. Communities are proving it. And it begins by understanding that we can't keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. The U.S. spends billions each year responding, but it's clear more resources alone aren't enough to solve this complex problem. Community Solutions is a nonprofit working alongside 105 U.S. communities, proving it is possible to make homelessness rare and brief, starting with veteran and chronic homelessness. These cities and counties are fundamentally changing their approach and have committed to get to zero homelessness using real-time, person-specific data to work and use their resources wisely. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org. See if your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name and need? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness can't be solved. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out sayitskillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too.